I would say that the terminology entrepreneurship, I think, came honestly after maybe when I went to business school. Um, mm. You know, I looked at my mom as just a business owner, a small business owner, or, you know, our family has always hustled. Welcome back to another episode of Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgianne, and today we have Kabina from Cover, who's going to be telling us all about his business, what, you, what they do, um, why he started it, and I'd love to pass it over to him to give a little bit of introduction. So tell us about who you are and a little bit about your business. Well, thank you very much for having me on your show today. Uh, my name is Kabina Ansa. I'm the founder of Cover. Um, I guess just in terms of background, um, I was originally born in Canada. My family's from Ghana, West Africa, and entrepreneurship runs deep within my family. I'm in Ghana. My uh, grandfather happened to own a timber company. My grandmother opened one of the first daycares, which um, actually the Queen of England came to visit, and that inspired my mom to own... (laughs) Open one of the first spas in Ithaca, New York, where when we moved to the States, that's where we are. So, you know, when I was a kid, when I was 13 and I said I wanted something, my mom said, what you really want is a J-O-B and, <laughs> you know, had me out there mowing lawns and, you know, things of that nature. And so that has kind of, uh, you know, brought me into where where I am today. And, you know, I've had the pleasure of founding Cover, which is a online financial services provider, which provides uh, cash flow financing for gig economy workers like Uber drivers and DoorDash delivery personnel, helping them to get cash that can help them take care of short-term emergencies, like mm-hmm. the busting of a tire, or help smooth out the volatility of their daily earnings. So, you know, oftentimes drivers are making money on not just a check-to-check basis, but sometimes a ride-to-ride basis, mm-hmm. and a snowstorm can throw things out of whack. Uh, our capital helps them smooth that out. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that's definitely very important work. And it seems like you come from a long line of entrepreneurs, doers, creatives. And so was there ever a time that entrepreneurship wasn't in your roadmap? Is that, was there ever a time like that? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So um, I would say that the terminology entrepreneurship, I think came honestly after maybe when I went to business school, um, you know, I looked at my mom as just a business owner, a small business owner, or, you know, our family has always hustled. We always, you know, we're always kind of creative, but never thought of it in a kind of formal entrepreneurship context. Um, in terms of my background, um, for undergrad, I went and did hospitality finance at Cornell, um, and then went into consulting for a few years, and then went into um, specialty lending, um, in in uh, for Wells Fargo, um, where I underwrote over a billion dollars while I was there. Wow. Um, and so <clears throat> my experience was really not, or my expectation really wasn't to um, do entrepreneurships. Uh, but what I found when I was at Wells was my mandate was to work on deals that were $20 million or greater. Um, mm-hmm. And as a result, many of the people who um, met that threshold didn't really look like me. And I happened to be the only... Uh, person of color, melanated individual on our national practice that was actually customer facing. And that can kind of uh, led me to think, you know, how can I mix my experience within finance, uh, you know, 
and the learnings I've had in school to serve kind of what I consider high value underserved communities. And that's kind of what uh, drove me to go to business school and focus on entrepreneurship and, and um, yeah, start, start the entrepreneurial journey. But I, I'd say my family has always been kind of creatives and, you know, we mm-hmm. like to try to have impact in society. And I guess nowadays, you know, what we used to be the, the hustle or, you know, the businessman is now, or woman, I should say, is now, uh, you know, considered entrepreneurship. Nice. Um, I love that because I come from a similar background where, um, and most times, you know, in other countries, it's, you know, everyone is like a small business owner. There's like the shopkeeper, the butcher, like everyone is a small business owner. And I came from that, a similar background of like farmers, technicians and things like that. And so it was the norm, like this, this is just what you did. And now it's like, you know, a whole fancy process and degrees and all that, that kind of stuff behind (laughs) it. Um, So I'd love to talk a little bit more about now your interest in finance, right? So you wanted to make an impact, as you mentioned, and, you know, we're going to definitely get to the actual activities that Cover does, but you mentioned working in like the banking industry um, and studying finance. What what drew you there? To be quite honest, it was actually a mistake. Um, <laughs> when I, um, when I was in undergrad, um, I was focusing on hospitality and I wanted to be a real estate developer. I wanted to maybe one day build a hotel. My dad, you know, would always be like, one day we'll go back to Ghana and build a hotel. I was like, all right, dad, cool. So that was kind of the vision. And Ernst and Young happened to be doing mock interviews or what I thought were mock interviews on campus. Um, and so I went and did a mock interview trying to build my skills there and they actually liked me and they said hey this was actually kind of a real interview uh we want to send you out uh for like a formal you know interview and i did that and got an opportunity and that brought me into kind of the financial uh realm of kind of real estate Mm -hmm. finance um and then after spending some years there uh i had an opportunity to move over from the entities that um do the kind of consulting and tell you, hey, this is a good market or that's a bad market to the to being on the other side of the table where you're actually helping the people who actually build it at the end of the day. And we provided oftentimes financing for those transactions. And so that's kind of what got me there. Um, it wasn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't a little banker or, you know, aspiring <laughs> banker from the time I was a child. It just, just kind of happened. But what I would say that, you know, um, I like about it is, uh, you know, I like numbers and I like to see the impact that, you know, financing can have. I, you know, in my time at Wells, uh, I had the opportunity and the privilege of being on a project where from literally ground up from blueprint to the hotel being built, you know, in front of me, um, getting to see that and seeing the power wow. of money and seeing kind of the job creation that it creates, the impact it has in that community and things of that nature. And so um, I think those are some of the pieces that led me to want to delve deeper into that industry. <laughs> I love that. He was like, eh, it was actually by accident. And I think, you know, <laughs> a lot of these, a lot of these things, these moments happen just so unexpectedly, right? Like this is the misadventures and we're going to talk about um, some of your more specific misadventures in a bit. Um, but now, you know, I want to 
go back to something you said as well about this hotel, right? Um, did you guys ever go back and build your hotel or is that still a dream? <laughs> I, w- I would say it's still a dream. God's grace, uh, you know, this venture or the next or will provide enough capital to mm-hmm. uh, allow us to have the funding to do something like that. But, you know, I definitely still have a passion for hospitality in general. And I'll mm-hmm. say, you know, um, most of my internships prior to working in finance were actually at hotels. And so I still take a lot of that um mindset when when thinking about customer service for our clients you know um, in in at the hotel school at cornell they say life is service and so um you know you know instead of just being a normal kind of finance organization who's just like hey pay us you know that's it Mm -hmm. you know we really try to take the extra effort to provide a, a a positive experience yeah that makes sense so now let's dive into cover so what inspired this business model right like i know why it's important but why did it matter to you and why were you the person to start this business if i may uh just to talk about the genesis of of kind of how we got to cover it's yeah, similar in, in, in that it again was not intentional <laughs> uh, it kind of just happened so after business school um, my first venture was called modern land and what we did is we provided credit for international citizens without u.s credit history um ran that for um a few years had our card being used at several um, campuses across the country, but unfortunately we had a bad um, partner, which I could talk about Mm -hmm. later that put us in the position where they went down and and as a result, we went down. Um, And so um, after that, one of my great investors said, who happens to be one of the uh, largest financiers of auto cars for Uber cars in um, Mexico said, Hey, do you think you could do that in New York? And I said, I don't know. Let me try. So um, something that a lot of people don't know are Uber drivers often pay as much as three to five hundred dollars a week to rent cars that they will never own. Um, wow. And these are cars that have maybe an MSRP of maybe twenty thousand dollars. And in a little over two years, they could be spending way more than the original mm-hmm. ticket value of the car. And so um, we thought that was you know ridiculous and we wanted to provide auto finance to help these people actually buy their cars. Um, what we found very quickly, we would deploy as much as $20,000 for these people to get the car, but would require just a $500 down payment. And oftentimes these drivers just didn't have that liquidity. They just didn't have the 500 ready on the side to, to make that down payment, which I found a bit surprising. Um, but that led me to believe maybe the issue is bigger than just you know auto finance. Maybe it's cash flow. Um, and so I took a thousand dollars out of my pocket, gave a hundred to ten drivers to see if that money would come back. It did, and that's what uh, led us to the start of uh, Cover. And so um, once we started providing that service to drivers, we started getting demand or inquiries from other parts of the greater gig economy, which, you know, encompasses all independent mm-hmm. contractors, uh, currently representing over 50 plus million participants in the U.S. and growing. Wow, that is like, and that that's so important. So I want to highlight what you mentioned about, you know, taking that thousand dollars from your own pocket and then giving this capital, this, this micro loan and micro loans are so important. So over the last um, couple months, I've been um, on this like 
credit repair and just financing journey. So one, definitely microloans are so important, especially to underrepresented and underserved um, communities, because oftentimes there is no, not even physical banks, if you wanted to bank. And then there's like a, such a distress of the banking system. And as we've seen um, how technology has shaken up many industries, you know, taxis are now Ubers, um, delivery folks are now Instacart and um, on these different apps, right? Instead of working for um, one store. And so it may they're they're generating income but that and that's the second thing i want to line, line into is that that cash flow right we don't think of cash flow often enough like when we hear of businesses like oh yeah you know are your budgets and your finances is your cash flow running up but that also applies to individuals because there's this like story um and i'll just mention it really quickly where it's just like this traveler comes into town and he puts a hundred dollars on the, t- the desk and then he goes and says i'm going to look at all the rooms and then i'm going to decide if i want to you know i want to pick the best one so while he puts a hundred dollars down then the hotel manager goes and pays off his debt to somebody and then mm. they pay off their debt and it goes around you know around and around for maybe like five or six times and by the time the final payment is done the hundred dollars comes back to the hotel owner and he literally just puts it back on the table and And so now the whole entire community is a hundred dollars less in debt or completely debt free. But then the traveler decides not to even purchase a a room in the hotel. So what really just happened? And I think that's what we miss oftentimes. Like, yes, the money is coming in on Friday, but right now is Monday and I need gas in order to do the work that's going to bring it the money. Or I need the car. That's the $200 to invest in and I'll get a thousand dollars at the end of it. So we don't often think about that, that again, that cash flow. So, you know, really important work you're doing in highlighting that. And so but, now, and if I may, yeah, just ahead. because yeah, absolutely. my lawyer would kill me if I didn't say <laughs> this, um, just to clarify what we provide is microfinance. It's a little bit okay. different than loans. So loans are a very regulated space. Um, and what we do is unlike traditional loans, which look at um, credit history and things like that, we give uh, these independent contractors a clean slate and look at traditional and alternative factors Mm. to provide them cash. So we basically just look at what is your earnings as an operator and we basically provide you a portion of those and you pay us back as you earn over you know, the, the, the future month or two. So it, it just, because it's a highly regulated <laughs> yeah, space, I, I have, I have to make that clear. So I don't have the, uh, you know, regulator coming out and saying, Hey, you said there was a loan on this show. So yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, absolutely. Uh, yes. Correct me or, you know, cause I, we want to get this right. So it's micro financing folks. Um, do not come for him. <laughs> uh, please do that. Listening, it is micro financing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so, you know, um, I discovered, I came across you because I think you participated in one of the CUNY accelerators or the state of New York program. So I'd love to hear about um, what's that like and just what has been the journey of growing cover? Uh, you know, how long have you guys been around? So share that with the audience. I'd love, you know, we'd love to hear that journey. Sure. So um, cover and it's kind of a, you know, starting with the auto loan started in um, 2020. Um, and this was a few months, uh, we launched a few months before COVID, which was just great, um, because, uh, you know, we were excited to go and we started funding these operators, but really, you know, kind of, I guess, or, you know, trying to look at a glass half full, 
um, it really stress tested our idea in terms of uh, we initially focused on serving the mobility space. So that's kind of like drivers, like the Uber drivers or delivery personnel like DoorDash and, 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 the, and, and the like. Uh, once the city and other regions around the country went into full lockdowns, people stopped mm-hmm. moving around, meaning their demand for riders, you know, ridership went down. And so our clients really got into a very um, tight um, predicament. And so it really forced us to really rethink our model, but also it helped us see how important the gig economy is to um, maintaining quality of life for general participants. Example being Uber drivers, while everybody was locked inside, were still taking people to clinics, um, kind of being on the front line. People who are at home and looking for some level of, you know, personal comfort, some type of normalcy, are making um, their, you know, DoorDash uh, order for some yeah, soup delivery. or getting their mm-hmm. Amazon delivery um, for, you know, whatever trinket it is that they like. So, you know, these are very um, uh, important aspects that uh, you know we saw through the business and. Over the last uh, few years, we've just continued to um, refine and and change our model. I think something where you might have seen is we uh, recently were fortunate to be uh, recipients of the 2022 um, Make It Awards uh, sponsored by the New York Knicks and Squarespace. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, as a result, they kind of, I guess, did certain PR to to broaden our name out there, which has been, you know, we've we've gotten some additional um, business through that, which we're we're thankful for. Um, But, you know, our ultimate goal is just to be the trusted um, resource for gig workers. And we continue to look for ways to add greater value to this very valuable yet underserved uh, community or historically underserved community. Awesome. Um, And, you know, again, this is such important work and I see it every day. I have been um, in the gig economy and then, you know, have family and friends. And so it's just, and that's, that's where um, careers are transitioning to. And there's like a colleague that I have, he calls it like a portfolio career or career portfolio where people are, you know, in and out. Some people they have, you could have in your career, right? Your full career, you could have part-time jobs, contractor roles, freelance work, gig work, full-time work, cell phone, you know, self-employed and people are fluctuating in and out of all these different ways to generate income and and having that flexibility of life and work and so now we're about halfway through the episode and I want to ask you what is a misadventure right something that was so unexpected that you experienced while building this business sure or even a previous business just on your entrepreneurial journey overall well one one um interesting um, thing comes to mind, I think could be helpful for any, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs. Uh, it talks about, I guess, grit and just getting through things is um, the beginning of last year, I believe 2021, um, right in December, um, it took us quite a long time to find a bank that was willing to work with us with the way that we work and the demographic that we're dealing with. It took, you know, mm-hmm. surprisingly long time to find a bank. We finally found this bank. We started working with them in the beginning of 2020, um, finally launching. Um, you know, at the end of 2020, it looks like we think this corona thing is over. Um, we're going to come back to normalcy. And uh, they, um, at the end of the year, tell us that the bank is getting acquired. Um, And they're like, but don't worry, nothing's going to change. You know, this new bank is going to be working with you. You don't have to worry about anything. You're good. 
uh, March 6 happens shortly thereafter, which is, you know, crazy event that happened for the nation. And mm -hmm. about a day or two after that, I get an email that has like 12 people on it from the bank, including legal. I'm like, there's no way this is a good meeting. Yeah. Uh, get on, get on the call. And they say, hey, so huge surprise to all of us. The bank um, that is acquiring us does not want to work with any basically startups. Um, so we need to, you know, we're going to have to transition you out uh, within about a month or two. So this is something that took about a year to put together. They're asking us to now transition in a month or two, um, which was, you know, startling to say the least. Um, and they, uh, to, I guess, try to smooth the waters a little bit, they offered some type of monetary compensation for the, the disruption. Um, it, you know, and I guess when I initially took, I saw it, you know, I knew that what it was about to do to our business was quite significant. Um, and I knew I was dealing with a billion dollar bank and we were a small startup. This, yeah. this little money that they were giving us, um, it's not that significant to them. And I thought, is it possible that they could do more? Um, so after, you know, going through that meeting, you know, I thanked them and I followed up with an email just to say, this is how significant this is going to impact our business. You guys are very aware of how long it took us to get you know, this off the ground with you, we went through so many mm -hmm. rounds of diligence and proof points and this, that, and the other. Um, is there any more that you could do um, from a financial perspective to um, help us um, in this transition? It would be greatly yeah. appreciated. And um, what happened is I get on a call about a week later and they three times the amount that they're giving me. Oh. So, uh, oh. you know, what I learned from that experience is it doesn't hurt to ask, mm -hmm. right? The worst thing they could have said is no, um, which they didn't. Um, and as I said, you know, I, you know, I don't want to disclose the amount of money, but yeah. it compared to a billion dollar company was not material to them, but it was material to me. And it actually provided us with the runway or additional cushion that we needed to make the transition. Um, and it ended up kind of being a blessing because with that banking institution, we were only able to serve operators in New York State. Mm -hmm. um, we actually ended up finding a, a new bank to work with, um, and they allowed us to work across the country. So pretty much all 50 states, um, which materially increased our, you know, the, not, the pool of people that we can support. So, you know, that was a blessing in disguise. But the bigger lesson, I would say, was... Um, you know, it never hurts to ask. So now every time I go somewhere, I'm asking for everything, you know, Domino's, I'm just like, can I get extra pizza? Can I get some extra cheese on the house? You know, worst case scenario, somebody will say no. So um, I think that, that, that is, that is it. Yeah. And I love that misadventure because, um, you know, if folks have been listening for a while, like I always talk about, you know, shooting your shot, right? Like that's how you get stuff done. And like that to me was just like, the hearing that was like this a great story like a great example of you you miss every shot that you don't take and as well as you know uh what is what some i think a meat mail you know like closed mouth don't get fed or that's just a general setting saying but it's just mm -hmm. like you have you have to ask for what you want and if you already know okay the worst thing that could happen is no but guess what if i don't ask it's already a no it's mm -hmm. already a no so what they're mm -hmm. doing is confirm the no that's not bad 
but mm-hmm. there is an opportunity to get a yes. So I, you know, shoot all your shots, folks. You never know what could happen. And this, you know, a lot, oftentimes, and from the different episodes we've had, misadventures are really a blessing in disguise. It might feel like the world is crashing because I, I can't even imagine what you all had experienced because you know you it took so long, right? Over a year to get to this point. We're, we're like, we're good. We're gonna keep going. It's a new year. We've been in this for you know a year now, and it's like actually no. And you have 30 days to get out of this house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much. And best so, best of luck, you know. Best of luck it, it, to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was quite quite uh quite crazy. But I I would say also that you know this is just it's uh, part of the game. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I think I went when I started entrepreneurship. I thought you know it's going to be some like linear path. You just keep working hard, and it's all gonna, like now. I expect. <laughs> crazy things to happen like i know it's something is gonna happen so just need to be prepared to like work through that work through that storm and have that grit to to push forward you know if you keep your head down you keep that faith you keep that conviction you will get through it but mm-hmm. you have to understand there is gonna be something that you're, you're gonna go through i'm sure even even elon musk uh has gone through some significant um you know hurdles to get to the successes he's 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 experienced yeah every day as an entrepreneur it's, it's like when you get like a calm day you're just like oh what's happening here who who broke something because whatever y'all broke yeah. it has to be really bad if we yeah. haven't you know learned about it yet <laughs> so, exactly exactly so, <laughs> and now i want to you know go into the aspect of um mental health so you know in in the show we're, we focus a lot on like mental health and how it impacts so as an entrepreneur you are the founder of this thing so one i'm pretty sure anxiety and blood pressure went all the way out the roof like it's not even in your body anymore it's just like in the air around you when you heard this news and then to you know now hindsight is always 2020 right now it's looking back like wow you know we're so happy that happened but in the moment and just as an entrepreneur can you talk to us a little bit about how you have managed um you know your mental health and just been able to go through all the ups and downs that entrepreneurship offers um to be very transparent it is a work in progress um i believe it seems as though you come from a family that uh of immigrants possibly yeah um, yes um my my family you know again is is from ghana and you know just like the west um they people are starting to come to and become more open to these things but in the past it you know wasn't something that you even talked about you're sad stop being sad be happy you know like that that's it and so kind of going into this i never took mental health seriously but i would say that i've had some times where i have felt really uh really down and didn't know exactly you know what to do i had the pressure of you know paying my team, you know, meeting the expectations of my investors, you know, I've been blessed to go some, to great um, academic institutions and have I taken the right path? Because some of my, you know, uh, classmates are doing great things in other large companies. Like, why did I take, why did I choose the hard path? Um, you know, all, all of that. And, and you even talked about like, you know, blood pressure and things like that. And, you know, uh, 
you know, watching what it is that you eat because it's very easy to be like, hey, I need a grind, I need a grind. It's just easy to buy pizza or, or whatever it is. But, um, you know, I was watching something yesterday and this person, comedian, was just saying, you know, your best, your highest value resource in life is health. Health is wealth. People say that and you take it lightly, but, you know, as you're seeing people drop left and right, you know, that really is um, super important. So just in terms of, I guess, uh, how I am trying to approach it at this time, um, the things that I would say help keep me going, keep me grounded is I personally have faith. I pray every day that, you know, for others, that's may just be meditation or whatnot, but it, you know, centers me, helps me to think about, you know, the people who I care about and, uh, you know, you know, have, trying to have some perspective to know, you know, I am blessed to have the opportunity to work Indeed. on my own vision a lot of people you know ukraine wherever are going through a lot a lot worse situations so it's not it's not that bad um you know having good family having other speaking to other founders because Mm -hmm. a lot of people you know when you go on to people's linkedin or facebook they're always posting their wins they're never posting their losses and so it can sometimes feel (laughs) like uh you're the only one who's going through something which is not the case at all so keeping keeping um other people that you can stay you know in touch with who understand what it is that you're going through so you can trade notes and and you know sometimes it's just you know it's just a therapy session and that's okay um and then i would say at least for me is um something that i've uh really enjoyed is um doing you know cardiovascular type activities uh, specifically i hate to say because every time i'm on a podcast or something <laughs> I, I drop their name but peloton peloton has been a really big uh you know thing for me you know i i pretty much you know bike every other day or something like that and it's just a nice opportunity to take your mind away from all the craziness of the work that you have but you know do something that you know i is going to benefit you, you know, doing some type of exercise is good for your body. Even if it's just a walk outside, it's good for you and allows you to, you know, hopefully clear your mind for a second. So that's, that's where it is, but I'm not, I'm not a a professional. I honestly think that um, I'm surprised it's not bigger, but there should be like talk therapy or therapists for entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. because it's an incredible amount of stress that, you know, one's going through and this, uh, you know, highs and lows, you know, you win an award next, next week, you know, you have to let somebody go or somebody's, you know, stolen from you the next week, you think that you're about to close a deal the next week, it, 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 the person who was leading that deal effort gets fired from their company. So, you know, you're starting from square one, you know, it's just like this huge, you know, um, you know, up and down up 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 and downs which can do a lot on your on your emotions you know it can play really heavily on your emotions so you know there should be a resource people should think a lot more about mental health and so it's great that it's an area that you you focus on in your program yeah absolutely and you know i really um, appreciate you sharing that with us because it is so true um you never know what's coming as a as a founder and you and if you have a team, if you have other people around you, whether it's, you know, your team in your business, your family, your friends, they're all expecting you to know this, the solution. It's just like, oh, this is this broke. Can you fix it? And so you are then put in this position of I have to lead like I, I need to make sure. And what in order to lead properly, you have to make sure that you're good before you can even help or support everybody else around you. And if you and I think there was um, there's this idea that 
you know, it's okay to deplete yourself and kind of give everything that you, that you, you've got. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. We have to remove that idea because if you give everything that you got and then you're completely depleted, but the folks around you are okay, then what? Right. And then, you know, like you said, people are dropping left and right, whether it was from stress or, you know, and there was um, uh, some topics that I've been reading about where it's just like focusing on the direct relation with stress and high blood pressure that then leads to diseases, whether it's like cancer, brain tumors, dementia, just various things that happen. Like your body will show you that it, it was not happy <laughs> with how you strained it in those years. And so we have to be really mindful of what we're doing, how we're doing it and, um, or brains because of technology, because of the fast moving ecosystem that we're in, we're online every day. We're in such a different environment than we were literally 50 years ago. We don't even have to go the full hundred. And if we want to add in the hundred, the way we worked, the way we lived, the way we interacted with each other, the relationships that we had, it was completely different. Now we could take in our brains information, a month's worth of information in five minutes, scrolling, scrolling on social media. And so we have to be cognizant of how, how we manage that and how we um, use our mental and physical capacities. And yes, Peloton, you better sponsor him. He is shouting him out on all these, all these podcasts of what Peloton representative is listening. Go <laughs> and find Kobina and, and make it happen. <laughs> Um, well, I guess one last thing, if I may say, yeah, that I think can contribute to also mental health is um, having an appreciation for, I don't know, I guess time. So a lot, you know, a lot, when thinking with entrepreneurs, a lot of times it's like, what is like the most valuable thing? Is it money? Like, yes, you need money to have your runway, but like really it's time. Time is your most valuable resource. And something that I, I've tried to put a greater emphasis on as of late has been making time for friends and family and things like that. For example, um, something that really sticks in my mind is um, I won an award on my last venture, or the team won an award, and uh, we were going to be flown out to Spain for some part of the award ceremony, but that happened, and, and then the next week they were going to take us to London or vice versa. But um, the weekend that we were supposed to be there um, happened to be one of my good friend's weddings. Oh. And, um, and during his bachelor party, I had another event and I said, I told him on his bachelor party, Hey, I can't make it last minute, but I will a hundred percent be at your wedding. I didn't expect the thing to happen over his bachelor party. <laughs> I certainly didn't expect, you know, I didn't anticipate to receive that award. And I thought when winning this award that this was going to like propel our company. We're going to yeah, change everything, change everything. <laughs> we're about to be, you know, millions from it. So I have to, you know, I can't miss it. And it ended up being like a, you know, a fun event, just pretty much a fancy dinner in Spain. Great. But I missed a very important day for this individual and, you know, our relationship changed, you know, since then. Right. And so when I think to, uh, you know, prioritization, you know, Sometimes you got to prioritize friends, family over something that generally, generally speaking, isn't likely not going to be that significant. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, doing, doing that one extra pitch, you know, over being at a, you know, a life changing event for, for somebody is, is probably not going to be, you know, 
that one opportunity that you know would change your your life. Maybe okay if Elon tells you, "Hey, come come, you know, and and pitch to me." All right, that's a very significant opportunity. But if it's just a you know something random, so anyway, I, it just came to mind that you know keeping good people around you is important, and the way that you do that is you know you have you have to nurture yeah, that. You have to you have to grow that you know, and so make, make yeah. Plan. And thank you so much for sharing that because. I, you know, I have similar experiences in, in my journey, you know, just missing important events or just feeling so depleted, right? Something happened in your business, you know, you're at a, a wedding or a baby shower or, or a significant event that, you know, you can focus in. You're at the water park. Just last year, I was at the water park with my family and mm-hmm. my phone, um, because there was like a couple key events for the company coming up and my phone ended up breaking. And because of that, there was like a series of just not great events. Like the client wanted to call and do a review. And I'm talking on the phone with my ear pods while the phone is broken. I cannot see the screen. Oh. I'm just oh, no. shooting my shot. <laughs> and oh, so gosh. then I massive anxiety. And literally after this, like 48, so I didn't really, you know, I participated in the in the activities of my friends, but I wasn't fully there. So not only was I not fully there, I couldn't be fully there for the, for the client. And then what ended up happening was just like the accumulation of all of this. I suffered from a significant panic attack like that Monday. And mm. so now it's just like this depletion. And so that's why I really am very transparent about this experience because, you know, people will look at you like, oh, you know, you're a superhero, you're this, you're great. And, da, da, da. and it's like, we struggle too. And it's just that we may try to put up this face and carry it well, but it's important to talk about these misadventures, talk about our mental health and be, you know, that, that thing that you mentioned, talk therapy specifically for entrepreneurs. And I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs have therapists, but I think, you know, having group sessions and really just being able to unwind and be really transparent about our experiences is very important and essential to us not losing our minds literally and figuratively. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, we're coming to the close. And with that, I want to first thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and sharing your experiences in your business. Um, definitely everyone def- go check out cover. There'll be um, information in the description box below. Um, but before we go, what piece of advice do you want to leave with the audience with? So any entrepreneurs out there, just thinkers, doers, dreamers, what, what would you want to share with them? Um, well, first, I want to thank you very much for having me on your show today. Um, I guess a few things that I would think are kind of, I don't know, three pieces. One would be um, time is your most valuable resource, uh, even more so than money. So, you know, be very thoughtful about the way that you choose it. Um, be very thoughtful about the partners that you have, whether it be your co-founders in your business, because, um you know, difficulty there could, you know, be like a divorce um, or, um, you know, the, the people, the partnerships that you work with, whether it's bank partners or, you know, whatever is appropriate for your group, be very thoughtful because um, something going on on their side could um, really, you know, adversely impact your business. Um, and then, yeah, you know, make sure that whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing it because you're passionate about it, um, not because of the money, because you're going to have to go through highs and lows. And if you do are not passionate about the underlying business, you won't have a chance of making it through. So make sure that, you know, you are very passionate about that, whatever your vision is um, before starting the journey. And I guess last, have fun. 
That is it. Yes, <laughs> and definitely have fun. Have a good time. Be strategic. Be smart. So thank you so much, Kabina, for being here. Um, everyone, we're going to link um, to his LinkedIn, to cover, and more details in the description box below. And we will catch you all in another episode of Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. Bye, everyone. <laughs>